The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Yeah, well, but it's true. It's it's really been eaten at me lately, and I realize there's just a big difference that happened over ten years in how I see the world. Yeah, well, and I think this is you know an ongoing conversation we've Lauren and I have been having about being this close to both sides of that. And I'm Scott, and we're the Reedies. That's right, Reedy spelled ready. It's a pun, one I've heard my entire life. So much so that we've decided to make it a thing. Ready, ready or, or not. not. On this podcast, we'll share our journey to becoming adoptive parents while also running a business together. It may not be easy, but you can bet we're ready or not. Hello, and welcome to Ready or Not, a podcast about growing your family and your business. Recorded right here in our Midtown Memphis studio. And it's the week after Thanksgiving, the first week of December, the last month of 2019 and the last month of the decade oh my god so it's just fitting that this week because everybody's talking about the decade challenge Mm -hmm. we thought we would do a little bit of our own decade challenge and go back in time and talk about things in our life in 2009 versus 2019 but also some fun things that we've been reading about (laughs) and the differences between 2019 and 2009. Yeah, but first, uh, but first, we have some exciting news. The Forever Ready team, our uh, production company that Laura and I run together, uh, was nominated for four, count them, one, two, three, four Emmys this year. Yes. Um, and we had two that were team ones that the whole group com- uh, contributed to, and two that were individuals for Lauren on directing and uh, Brody uh, for editing. Yes, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. It was so quite a surprise, We're actually. pretty excited to... Uh, in February. On your uh, birthday. On my birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Go to the Nashville and... Uh, I'm going to get you a really have cool a good weekend. bow tie for your birthday. I don't want a bow tie. No, you need a bow tie. I am not a bow you tie like, guy, though. You need like... But you have to wear a tux. So you have to have a bow tie. Uh, you can wear a straight tie with a tux. Ah, well, that another t- t- we'll have this discussion <laughs> another time. We're fighting. We're fighting. <laughs> this anyway, is a fight. this is a fight. So we're really excited, though, because um, it's just... It's a really fun treat to have the whole team be a part of it. So just to kind of give our listeners a backstory, it's always been a dream of mine to win an Emmy. Mm -hmm. Finally did that this year. Yep. Technically last year, but it was awarded to me this year. But two years ago, I was finally nominated for the first time with a piece that I did um, that related back to my news life. And then last year... Well, it related back to your news life, but it was from the Forever Ready production life. Right, so, which is crazy. That was the first nomination two years ago. Yes. And then last year, I was nominated for two things, but Brody, we entered Brody into some things that he wasn't nominated. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool, year three, that everybody on the team that was on the team when we when we were able to make, you know, when we submitted our, our competition, mm-hmm. everybody is listed and everybody contributed and everybody's nominated. It's so cool. Yeah, it's really, really fun. It just speaks volumes about kind of the me to us transformation that sort of happened in our business. Yes. And by me, I mean Lauren. And then from Lauren to the rest of the team. Yeah. Well, and just that we're able to, you know, translate what you can do and translate what our team is able to do into things that, you know, now are Emmy nominated. Um, so So I think it's really cool because... In news, Lauren always wanted to win an Emmy, and it wasn't until she left news to do her own thing and really tell the stories that she really believed in 
that the Emmys nominations and the one win so far um, came. So yeah. I think that's that's a really cool like full circle. So what's really cool is one of the pieces that's nominated for two Emmys is called You Must Believe. And it's a documentary that won Indie Memphis um, Audience Choice last year. And the piece was something that we actually put together. We were in the middle of filming the piece when we got the call about Max, which is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And then when we, when I was working on the editing with Brody in crunch time, Max is like, Max was still with us and not at daycare yet. And so he's literally, I have a picture of him, like my leg is on my knee and he's laying on my leg while I'm editing the story. So it's a really cool. Associate producer credit for Max. And speaking of, Max, uh, we officially have a rambunctious eighteen-month-old. <laughs> oh my god! Who is all over the place, saying words mm-hmm. like full words, saying words, running wild, dancing, having a good time. He's a really good kid. Yeah, we're having a, we're having a blast, but we're exhausted simultaneously. Yeah, and uh, we had a great Thanksgiving. Speaking of that, you may have noticed we did not have a podcast last week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for a couple of reasons. One, it was a holiday, and we had a lot going on. Yep, short and week. And two, um, we're trying to decide what to do with this podcast. And this is where, before we get started on our fun topic about the last decade, we'd really like some feedback because we started this podcast for fun. Mm -hmm. It's still very fun, but it tends to be something that um, we need to plan. And the first season we had planned out to talk about our adoption. Yeah, and 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 kind of worked through that whole process. The whole process. And I know that it helped a lot of people. Um, some we've heard from, some we've ne- we will never know, mm-hmm. but they listened and were inspired and either began their adoption journey or completed their adoption journey while listening to our podcast. And then season two, we spent part of the beginning of season two interviewing other couples who run businesses together. And we quickly had trouble with the logistics of that, which is yes, why we... lining up schedules and getting people... It, it turns yeah. out when you work with your spouse, you have no time to do other things. Yeah. Um, it was it was all about wrangling both of us and both of them yeah. at the same time. Four and people, it was just crazy. Four busy business owners who mm-hmm. probably also have a kid to get together and talk about how hard it is to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we ran into a sort of a dead end there, although there's plenty of couples we'd still like to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And we've talked a little bit about business, but the last couple episodes, we've just really been struggling. What do we talk about? Do our listeners even want to hear it anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the question that we have, and we love your feedback, is should we continue a season three into 2020? Mm-hmm. And if so, what kinds of things would you like to hear us talk about? Um, we have a lot of business stuff to talk about. We could do a whole season about business. We could do a whole season about working with nonprofits. Um, we could continue throwing in little nuggets about our relationship but i mean the bottom line is if that ship has sailed and we did what the podcast was for Mm -hmm. then maybe this is our last season and we're okay with that Mm -hmm. but if you like listening and you're going to be sad if we stop and you have ideas for us we'd also like to hear that yeah and i think i think that's the main thing is uh basically in the uh sort of off season i guess you might call it over the uh christmas break and into the new year um we wanted to spend some time putting together like kind of a whole season. So there's kind of a, uh, a theme to the whole thing. So it doesn't become just random episodes, especially towards the end. Yeah. And we want to actually put out good stuff into the world. Yeah. Of made up things that people want to hear, um, you know, and, and are wondering about. So, and on that note, send your feedback to feedback at ready or not podcast.com. And now let's dive right into the episode. What do you say? Let's go.
So we figured we're going to break this into three different segments. And one is old stuff, which is just kind of like goofy, weird. This is random stuff that I found on the internet while I was searching to like research, like what was 2009 like? Yeah. And it was, it's some of it's very mind blowing. So Scott's going to lead that section. And then there's a whole section about technology differences from 2009 Mm -hmm. to 2019. And then we're going to end with the differences between us in 2009 and us in 2019. Yeah. So here we go. All right. Start with old stuff. So old stuff. Here's a few things I found. Um, So basically anyone around a decade ago, um, Apple had just launched the iPhone 3GS. Which Which looked like an iPod. Well, right, and it, but it was the first iPhone that like actually had a data plan. There was an iPhone that launched in, in two thousand seven, but it didn't have. It had two G data, and so it was super super slow, and so you couldn't really like surf the internet on it with any kind of realistic anything. And that was like a big hype, but it was yeah. so expensive, which is funny because expensive back then and it's was like, like literally half the like price or a third. Of the, yeah, it's like a third of the price. Now it's it like a thousand dollars or to get. more. They have like ones that are up to fifteen hundred. It's know, so crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's like a laptop in um, your pocket. Justin Timberlake since 2009, he's a Memphis guy. That's kind of why I brought him um, into this. Not just a Memphis guy. He's a member of NSYNC, Scott. Well, that's that's what I'm going to is here is for those that are around like 2009 and on, he has been more known as an actor and a solo artist. That's weird. So we knew him as an NSYNC band member. But, yeah, but like... But it, he's it, like been cool. Like he's the well, cool guy. Right. He's the cool boy Yeah, band. he's like the guy that's sitting on the sidelines of the NBA games and like all that stuff. But like that, that brought me to what, what got me there was kids who are starting high school this year were born in 2005, which I, not to date us here but i'm going i'm going to do it anyway we were out of high school when the kids starting high school now were born we're born that's crazy yeah we're old yeah getting there wow um so like those kids don't know justin timberlake as a member of nsync they may not even know what nsync is (laughs) well merry christmas happy holidays okay it's the best christmas song ever done by a boy band in the 2000s yeah okay um facebook obviously has always existed um but back then blogs were the thing because the internet wasn't fast enough to be have like vlogs the video some people were doing vlogs but you didn't a vlog was like a what are you saying it sounds like you're trying to clear your throat yeah (laughs) blogs were really big they kind of exploded in the in the 2009 to yeah 2000 there's like people who made entire careers out of blogs yeah like they would pick a topic like like podcasting like podcasting in fact i bet in a decade we're gonna be like oh podcasting craze peak <laughs> podcast is that what we're in right now yeah, probably everyone's um, doing it barack obama was of course the president and we Aww. were like hot and fresh into that he had just been inaugurated yeah. like i guess this would be november of 2009 or december of 2009 so he had been in january so he was like just finishing his he first year just finishing his first which year which is pretty wild and there was so much history in that i covered fun fact i covered his inauguration yeah and we're going to talk about technology in the next little segment but fun fact, I used Skype to go live from a laptop sitting on top of a suitcase in a gym using Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So there's a technology thing. Yeah. Well, and I think there was there was a lot of energy around, especially, and this might be like a more millennial, younger person thing, um, but especially those in, my, in our cohort, you know, high school, college, 20s. Um, there was a lot of energy around Obama yeah. and there was a, a lot, lot of, of our like, friends voted for the first hope, time. I mean, hope and change was his whole thing. And a lot of people change. like first voting voted for him. Mm-hmm. So, um, he was a, a monumental president in our generation in 2009. A lot of us were, had just gotten out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the economy was crashing. 
yeah hope and change was well, something that resonated and, and I, that's that's something in in 2000 this point in 2009 a lot of our friends were unemployed yeah we were in the depths of it at this point i mean and i was taking i was asked to take um voluntary i'm using quotes here voluntary furloughs at work mm-hmm. so we had to take 10 days of unpaid time off and everybody in the company had to do it or they would have to lay people off yeah so it was kind of like are you going to be the jerk that doesn't take the time off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but what made that really hard was that it was unpaid and i right. spent i basically spent all of my furlough time with you or in memphis yeah um and you know that was interesting because mm-hmm. for me at the time in 2009, I was making very little money off of a measly little TV salary. So taking those 10 unpaid days was a pretty big deal in my budget. I remember, yeah. Well, and I, I had helped you with your budget at that point and we had talked about how that was going to impact. And I, that was a realistic impact to have to take t- basically two weeks off in your first year trying to pay all that. For me, you know, I was working, um, I was working for John Deere at the time and they did a lot of cuts, but I, I had chosen between John Deere and another company in the Des Moines area when I took my job in 08 and during that whole recession, they laid off the position that I would have taken at the other company. And you know, what's crazy. Cause about I know, that? Th- I know the guy was in the internships with him and he took it instead of me. Yeah. Cause I got, I found the he deer thing off. and he got laid off and the like, same thing happened with me and my first TV job offer. Oh yeah. That position was eliminated. That's crazy. It's so like destiny, I guess yeah. we were meant to be yeah. to meet, but well, and had I not taken that deer thing, I wouldn't have been in, quad city so i wouldn't have been an hour away from you i mean it was it all it all was meant to be what's really interesting about that crash and that time is that it it, it's it's why we have such a wake in entrepreneurship now um it's why a lot of people we know a lot of my peers from high school and college now Mm -hmm. run their own businesses yeah well and because everybody was like well i'm living in my parents basement i have a college degree for this thing i can't get a job in what could i do Right. And, and that's not how we came to a business, but it's just interesting to see how that's happened with some of our peers. Right. And a lot of those people that I've talked to, you know, they, even if they had jobs all through that, they saw the people who had been in those jobs for five, 10 years all get cut. And so I think that sort of destroyed and, and, and or created, depending on your perspective, this like disloyalty to a company a company and like people who were there for 25 years and yeah and like this thing where i mean a lot of my peers don't feel like a company has any kind of obligation to them they don't have any obligation to the company it's it's neither way it's Mm -hmm. i'm here doing the job while i'm here and that's it but like furthering the greater good of the company is not a standard thing especially at most corporations i think you get it in a lot of smaller businesses and the closer you are to the ownership um and like i think this is biased, but I think our staff feels a lot of connection because we kind of share all that together. And we've been very intentional about building it that way because we don't want to be that, you know, work as hard as you can and we're going to take everything and no reward for no reward for working hard or work hard because I tell you to and work extra hours because I tell you to, and I'm going to put you on salary. So I don't pay you overtime. Like all of those things are just things that I think our generation, or at least me and my peers that we've talked to about running businesses want to avoid Um, yeah totally totally so that's interesting those are all like old things but there's a couple more things that i know we really wanted to mention in this section and that was um 2019 is to 1990 this is a tough one i had to really think through this okay 2019 is to 1990 as 1990 is to 1961 yes which means the difference between 2019 and 
1999 is yeah. the same difference. So halfway between <laughs> us and 1961 is 1990. So if you can remember 1990 or if you can remember 1961, like that's it's a, a lot of time. Yeah. And like, I remember in 1990, I thought 1961 was so old. Right. Like such a long time ago. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but and, I remember 1990. Right. And I do too. I, I remember that because my brother, my, young, my sister is my youngest brother was born. And so like yours at the beginning of the year, mine at the end of the year, um, they're very close in age, but like so i have mem- direct memories of 1990 and like to think that people then 1961 was the distance we are now it's just it's kind of crazy it's insane so. uh, yeah you read that one to me recently and i was like oh my goodness yeah how is that even possible mm-hmm. but here we are so let's talk about technology in 2009 versus mm-hmm. 2019 and this i feel like is right up your alley but I'm going to start because okay. yeah. um, in 2009, I had a flip cam. Mm-hmm. It was the coolest thing ever invented. So it's a vertical camera that shoots horizontal video. Mm-hmm. And once you shoot it, all you have to do is flip it out and there's a USB on the side and you plug the USB into your computer and you take all the files off the flip cam. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Well, and speaking of cameras, I mean, cameras were and, and video cameras were still separate from the phone at that point. Yeah, we had like really crappy phones. Well, yeah, I mean, you like took blurry. You had flip cams that were just terrible photos. And if you wanted to post on Facebook, you would email Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and you from your flip phone. You even even if you talk about like the so the iPhone 3GS came out and like that had like a monumental camera for the time and it was like two megapixel. It's like nothing compared to what you have now. We were we were in standard definition. I'll never forget that because when we moved to HD and television, it was a really big deal. Um, Just, you were still in standard def TV? At, isn't that crazy? There was a whole switchover. There was a whole switchover and yeah. I, I field so many phone calls, fielded so many phone calls explaining how what, to set up your antenna. Oh, because <laughs> oh, you need to switch to a digital yeah. antenna that could pull in a digital yeah. signal and make it for your old TV. Yep. Man, that's so, crazy. Back to the camera thing. Um, then we upgraded to a GoPro. Yeah. Um, somewhere in what 2012 when we got married, and mm-hmm. now it's our phones that we shoot on, yep. or an Osmo Pocket, which is like the size of a pen. Yeah. Um, and shoots just like amazing footage. So, mm-hmm. so that's like the. I mean, we use professional cameras for work, but of the capturing of our lives now, we don't use a flip cam or even a GoPro anymore. We use our phones, or um, in fact, we time lapsed our Christmas this week using a phone. Yeah. Which typically that was a GoPro activity. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's funny how that's shifted. What else do we yeah. have well, technology-wise? The, the, the fun fact about that is, so I use, I was like an expert in digital cameras at that point because we used to sell them. I used to sell them when I worked at Best Buy and when I was in college. That's right. So. Uh, well, speaking of <laughs> cameras that we now use as phones, uh, you had a Razer. I did. A red Razer. Yes, the that Motorola Razer. Yeah. The, the ringtone was the Office theme mm-hmm, song. Mm-hmm. And Office I, was all the rage. I had... A flip phone for part of 2009 and then upgraded to a BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. Can I, I want to comment one thing. So as Laura mentioned, I had the Office theme song as my ringtone. I still have a little bit of like a weird anxiety, like wake up moment whenever I hear the Office theme song because I made it my wake up ring, uh, ringtone. So, I like, feel the I had same to way. Get up. I know. I feel the same way because you had like a really weird schedule. Remember, like, whoever decided that like you putting your, overnight putting your favorite song as the ringtone on your phone, which is like was the thing back then. That was terrible. Was like the remember worst when it would idea go off ever. at like three in the morning because yes. you had to be in at four. Yes, I hated that. It was so terrible. 
<laughs> so, and I ha- I still dislike I know, that. You song hear now. that song and you're like, oh my god, my ringtone. It's stressful. I have to be somewhere. Yeah. Um. So I had a, a BlackBerry and it had the little ball in the middle. You remember the little oh, ball? Oh yeah, a little trackball. Yeah. <laughs> track well, ball. and so here's the thing: is like the first uh, Android phones were coming out. Like I was waiting for this HTC Hero android phone to come out it was like revolutionary it was crazy you could hack it it was like my project all the time to like destroy and rebuild (laughs) honeycomb no it was way before honeycomb honeycomb was later i don't remember i don't remember all the different it was like cupcake or something android had all kinds of weird names in the early days um but i was like waiting for this phone it was like the first phone that was going to be like you were obsessed with it I envisioned it as being the upgraded version of the Palm Pilot I had when I was in high school, <laughs> which is so nerdy, oh, I realize. It's so nerdy, but that's but, why I love you. <laughs> but this was like next level. It like it had a it had a little trackball, it had apps, you could download it. It had this cool Google Sky Map thing, it had GPS. It was like about the to, sky map you know. thing was pretty cool i remember that because my blackberry didn't do much of anything yeah. and, you and had, th- this was that i think you can still have it on your phones now where you can like point at the sky and it will like oh yeah it'll like draw the constellations up there so you can find them and i was like that is so cool it uses your gps it uses your camera it uses all these like the internet connection so like all these things coming together was really really cool and now we are just iphone users even though they cost a fortune yeah because um a lot of our family and a lot of our friends have iPhones and so it makes it easy to FaceTime mm-hmm. and it makes it easy to do Messenger and share photos and all that stuff. And, and have I all thousand things that these phones do now. Yeah. Well and I know that Android phones have that as well. Mm-hmm. But we prefer iPhone because most of the people, although some of the people listening are gonna hate on this, most of the people that we communicate <laughs> with have iPhones. So we yeah. do too. Yeah. They all work better now than they did originally. It used to be much Every, more separate. Honestly, but. they're all kind of the same these days. Yeah. And they're all expensive. Yeah. Um Here's a big one for you. (laughs) Bluetooth in cars. (laughs) This you would think like when Lauren wants a car. (laughs) Actually, when we just got cars, I said we we need Bluetooth. I need one thing. I need Bluetooth (laughs) in the car. And I swear, and everyone looked at me like I was. It was dumb. like it was like every car has Bluetooth now. Every like every used car within a couple of years has Bluetooth. Like probably since two thousand nine. Probably, <laughs> probably. No, they actually didn't. Maybe new cars did at that point, but we weren't. I buy, was going to say we weren't buying. We don't new buy cars. new cars, so probably not until we got like models that were in like yeah. the twenty. See, and I teens. had I had my old Impala, and I used a cassette adapter, and with which is actually from the, like the early two thousand, Scott. The my, re, the real thing. My car was a 2006. It wasn't that old back then. Yeah, but people didn't use tape adapters in 2009. They used those FM I, switchers. Well, I was going to that, but like <laughs> I used the tape adapter because it worked better it than the thing where you had like you would put your connect your phone through your headphone jack to this little like FM transmitter and then you'd like tune would, your radio. It would scan it and find like a radio station that wasn't being used. Yeah. And, and then s- you could play off your so iPod. Like, yeah, you like broadcast from either your yeah, because your phone didn't really have anything. So you'd like your iPod to this thing, and it would broadcast it to your radio. It was like so. Which messed speaking up. of which, we still have our iPods. Mine was pink, and yours was red. Yeah, and they are so fun. If we could just figure out like how to get the songs off them, they're probably on Spotify. But um, it's like our dating life is on those iPods. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why neither of us have. Because you have to like we had to like build a playlist. You couldn't just like it was there was no Pandora. There was no yeah. Spotify. You couldn't be like just play you know fun songs and it would just go play a thousand yeah, it was fun like, songs in a row. Here's my Scott and Lauren playlist and here's mm-hmm. my driving to Des Moines playlist. Yeah, it's like uh, a mi- it's like a mixtape. And we didn't have Bluetooth in cars. I do think 
that cars had Bluetooth phone calls. Some, none of the cars we yeah, had. Yeah. But in 2009, they like that started to be something that was introduced. But it was just funny when we when we well, got. Because they didn't do music because music wasn't on phones right then. Right. Well, you had to buy the ringtones. Right. Which is funny yeah. too. But um, what's interesting is we we just got some new cars in the last I don't know 18 months. <laughs> funny, we got a baby and then we got new cars. <laughs> yeah. And I remember going to CarMax and saying, you know. I, here are my requirements. I want leather seats, a Bluetooth connection, and a backup camera. And they were like, okay, well, here are all the cars. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to everything. <laughs> it's funny. I'm easy to please, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, another funny thing is that Netflix back then sent you DVDs. So yeah, I had a had, membership to Netflix. Yeah. They had just started the streaming. A membership. But, like, but it was a separate thing and there wasn't anything on there that you'd want to watch. There's nothing that you want to like, stream. Yeah. It was all about DVDs by mail, which is so crazy. Which I loved because I was, even though I was dating you, I was basically single because we weren't super serious. We were like kind of crossing into serious. And we also lived three hours apart. We lived so three we hours were, apart. Yeah. I didn't have the money or time to have a dog. So I loved Netflix because I came home and there was something that I had look, to look forward to. Mm-hmm. It was typically two to three DVDs that I could return at any time. Yeah, no I, late fees. Um, uh, the demise of Blockbuster. I do remember that they uh, they had Sex in the City mm. um, DVDs, and I, I I was like a binge watcher of that. I really liked the writing. The of original that show. binge watch, order the whole season on DVD. <laughs> we're, we're really showing our age right now. Yeah. Um, another thing that you put on the list, I think, I really did. Nerdy. I found this so like they talk about all these like smart home things the first smart thermostat came out in 2009 that was invented in 2009 so if you if you have like a a somewhat advanced or something like programmable thermostat like that connects to your if it connects to your wi-fi that's like a smart thermostat those did not exist in 2009 they like just came out that's crazy so i think they had like programmable ones where you could like set timing but like the smart ones that can like motion sense and all this other craziness um, I'm those, sure there are a lot more on. technology things that, that oh, we'll think of after this airs. But I'm, I'm sure. I, I think it's funny to compare because, geez, the difference a decade makes. Yeah. I, I mean, think we should, like, if, if you send in some comments about things you remember from 2009, I'll, we'll bring them up next week. Yeah, because there's Cause, a lot. Yeah, there's a whole This bunch. is just like what we thought of in our dating relationship. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, now let's go into our third segment and talk about us in 2009 versus us in 2019 sure and i want to start with our relationship and then towards the end of the conversation talk about how things are different and how we see the world Mm -hmm. so first we'd only been dating a year yes almost exactly a year at this point um have we said i love you yet yeah oh yeah we said that in march yeah of 2009 yep weird yeah okay so we were in love (laughs) but we weren't talking about marriage. No. Um, people were asking us, which was a ridiculous world. Why do you put pressure on people? Yeah. But see, that, so that was a thing of your own making because you never dated anybody for more than a month. That's ever. true. So when I made it to two months, people were like, Whoa, oh, Lauren, are you married? And guy? then it was six months. People were like, Scott, you're still around. I was like, hey, I don't, I don't know. So um, I was a year into working at KWWL. Mm-hmm. Well, about 18 months. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had a two-year contract. So I had about six months left on that contract. I had a three, no, I had a two-year, and then I got a one-year extension. Okay. Um, and so I had about six months left on my contract, mm-hmm. and you were at John Deere about six months into your second rotation that yeah. you, you had so, committed to three years, right? Yeah, I, so I'd committed to this thing where basically they were going to move, move you every 12 to 18 months, depending on business need, to three different teams. So 
I had done my first year in Moline, Illinois, working overnights and like some craziness. Um, but that's where we met and I was close to you and I only worked four days a week. I worked long days and longer days than eight hours. So I only had to work four days a week, which we was actually awesome. had the same schedule for lots of months. Cause mm-hmm. I worked 11 or uh, two to 11. And so yeah. did you, we used to chat on uh, Facebook. <laughs> was it Facebook or <laughs> no, G-chat? we'd email each other actually. Oh, email. Yeah, you, was... you G chatted with your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I didn't have a G chat. Plead the fifth. Plead I didn't have fifth. a G chat until like 2000. 16 <laughs> okay so well yeah but i remember this we would email back and forth because yeah, that was the only i guess that was the it's only really way we cute could. actually to go back and look at those yeah it's like how we got to know each other i think we might have done facebook messenger now that you say that yeah that's what i thought it was yeah because i thought your last name was ready yeah while we were dating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's funny um i think i already said i didn't want to get married you did want to get married I did, um, and not to me at the moment, at that time. But you, marriage no, that, was in that your, was on, that was on the on the plan. Marriage was in your plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, generally speaking, I was pretty selfish um, in two thousand nine. True, I, was, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> plead the fifth again. Yeah. He's a lot of plead the fifth. Don't answer. Here. Don't answer. Um, I think what's interesting about that is that I was very generous with my heart and my time. In fact, it's when I first started volunteering regularly because my friend Jill, Jill Specht, um, was volunteering at the the Dubuque Mission mm-hmm. and she would serve lunch once a week. And so I just, I started doing it too. Yeah. It was the first time that I thought, oh, regular volunteering, that's a really great way to give back and a way to get to know your community. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I did all those things, but I was also really selfish about the way I saw the world and I mean, I was in my early 20s. Isn't that when you're supposed to be selfish? Yeah, I, I think you're too hard on yourself. I don't think you were overly selfish. And I think this is a, maybe this is getting to a male-female thing, but you like you were very focused in your career and you knew exactly where you wanted to go. And if I was right. like that, nobody would have said anything about it. But, That's true. Look at um, me being like pushing gender norms on myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but really, I was very... I guess maybe that's not the word. Selfish in it is a negative connotation. And I don't mean that. I was just very self-focused. Yeah. On my career mm-hmm. and where I was headed. Sure. And you were like a little bit of a distraction. Yeah. Like a really annoying, cute distraction. <laughs> <laughs> really annoying, cute distraction. Like a puppy. I, yeah. Yeah. Like a puppy. <laughs> right. Um, well, and I think that's it. I, and I always, but I always knew that about you is you were very upfront about, you were very directed about where you wanted to go and you wanted to pursue this TV thing. And this was, you know, and you were very realistic about what it took and it was going to take jumping markets. And so you couldn't just get locked down to one place because yeah. in order to grow in TV, you need to move markets. Right, right. And I think uh, you were the first man. Well, you were a man, but also I dated a lot of boys. But you were <laughs> <laughs> you were the first man that I dated that was not intimidated by any of that. Which I never really understood why people were intimidated by the TV-ness. I mean, I guess I get a little bit, but I don't know. It just... I was comfortable around you, so I wasn't that worried about it. Yeah, so that's why I was giving you time of day because I was like, oh, you're not intimidated by me. Yeah. I can 100% be me mm-hmm. and march towards my goals and you're not going to like resent me for it. Yeah, well, and I think we were both very, I mean, I was I was marching up the ladder at, at Deer too. I mean, I was successful in what I was doing yeah. too. So I think we were both supportive of what we were each trying to grow while growing together and understanding, um, you know, it was kind of the beginning of our togetherness mm-hmm. of growing together. I had a big dream still to come to Memphis. Did you have a big dream at all? It wasn't to come to Memphis, if we're being honest. No, I mean, I don't think I don't think going anywhere different than the Midwest was was part of it. It was probably ended up probably would have ended up landing me in Des Moines, I guess, because that was easy. I mean, I never met, I never ventured very far from home. 
yeah through my whole college and well, everything. you had it just a really nice gig at a big corporation yeah i mean and you know i, I was i was well liked at at that job in, at, in des moines i i liked it a lot i liked people i worked with i liked everybody at that whole place um i was i was in a good spot and it was it was some good stuff so so let's talk a little bit about the differences in you, and I'll, I'll answer this too. I really thought this through, but the differences in your sort of view of the world back then. And I think something that's worth touching on is it, it's, I keep using the word selfish, but back then it was, I'm awesome. I'm really good at what I do. Well, I'm, you know, fill in the, it was like, almost like we had this attitude of, um, We've made it. <laughs> well, and I think that's what it, I think that's what we were told. And I think that's the, at least for me, that's the method with which you enter and go through college was this is a four year period where you set up the rest of your life and do a lot of things for you to get your life going in the direction you want to go. Um, and that's, that's how I felt about it. So my college was very much, you know, we've talked about this before of like my college was very destination focused. I needed the degree at the end to be in IT because that's what I wanted to do. I knew from day one. And so it wasn't about the well-rounded education or finding my passion or finding this or that. It was check the boxes, finish the degree and go start working in IT. And I did that while in college and then after college. And so, you know, and that's why I talk about the, that dear job was very comfortable for me. Yeah. Um, that's there, why you said, I don't, I don't have any plans to leave. Yeah, there wasn't. And, and I don't think it was out of um, dislike for that. It was just, I was, I was comfortable in that. It was easy. Yeah. And it was probably more comfortable than I needed to be. Look, I mean, looking back, it was more comfortable than I needed to be at that young of an age. Yeah. It's the time where you're supposed to be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and just to stretch and go experience different things. It's Nothing fine. wrong you with did the morning. I of that still like it, but it's just... I needed something, you, to push me to, <laughs> sorry, you know, not sorry. branch out a little bit, see a little bit more of the world. So what has changed about your worldview since then with all, all that context? <sighs> a lot. Um, I think, I think I'm much more aware of the uh, impact of circumstance on results. And what I mean by that is that it's not quite as level a playing field as I may have believed it was given that I grew up in a very, I shouldn't say very, I grew up in a uh, somewhat privileged uh, suburb of Des Moines that was not, didn't have a whole lot of diversity, didn't have at least, I shouldn't say that it did have diversity. I didn't necessarily see it where I was. Yeah. And I don't think my world had that. Right. Um, and that was not because it wasn't there, but because I just wasn't exposed to it. Or actually, I didn't think I just didn't want to see it. Yeah. Because um, we did service work and we saw people in poverty and we saw people with, you know, more money, less money, um, people from different cultures. We did mission trips. We did things like that. Um, I just think I was just young. So and your 2009 view of the world was shaped sort of by those life experiences. Yeah. Well, 2009, Scott, was the most, as I jokingly describe it, but half serious of the like quintessential Iowa boy. I grew up in Des Moines, you know, the, a city kid, but my grandpa had a farm. So I had a little farm experience too. I went, you know, an hour away from home to, to Iowa state for college. And then I started working for John Deere. I mean, like the most Midwest company, I think on the planet. And what are you now in 2019? Now, uh, I am a Midwest guy in the mid-south not quite the south but you know 
um, depending on who you're talking to, it's pretty south. Uh, Bible Belt, a lot of Baptists. I didn't, I didn't uh, run into a lot of um, Baptists in Iowa. And I think, especially living in the city that we live in, very aware of the inequities that exist that are systemic. And they are hard to overcome. And still things that I don't quite understand um, solutions to or the full extent of or really fully understand, try to understand, but don't fully understand all of the nuance and um, and complicated systemic s- issues, systemic issues yeah. and circumstances that put people in where they are today. Right. And the way that shapes, um, regardless of where they are now, how those younger experiences have shaped where they are today and how they feel about things. Yeah. So interesting. Very interesting. I appreciate you sharing that. I think for me, I would agree with you 100% about, um, you know, your lived experiences in 2009 compared to now, like set you up to really not understand the level, the playing field and how unlevel it was. Right. Right. I mean, the, the circumstances, yes, you and I are both very hard, goal driven, hardworking people, but we were already, steps and steps and steps ahead because of the life that we had Mm -hmm. and because of the way that we look which is something that i never fully realized in 2009 it's fine that was just my life experience in my 20s my very early 20s and then moving to memphis has opened our eyes to so many things such systemic issues and um inequities that you know we never imagined and so so our perspectives have shifted a lot i also think i didn't Ever. I mean, adoption, adoption was always something that I thought would be cool because I quite honestly never wanted kids. And I thought, well, if I decide I want kids, I'm going to be 40 and I'm going to decide I don't want to, you know, bear a child. So I'll Mm -hmm. adopt. But I hadn't seriously considered it until, you know, a little bit later after we got married. And so 2009, Lauren would have never imagined. 2019, Lauren adopted a baby with her husband. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that there's this unique thing that exists now in 2019 for me and, and for you, that's a really hard and weird place to be. And that is I straddle two different worlds daily. I straddle a world where I run a business and I roll with business owners, uh, many of whom have built, worked very hard to build a business and build wealth and build the the life that they're living. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, in many cases, they've worked really hard from it. A lot of them have come from places of poverty and built it up. So that's not to say that disclaimer here that they don't deserve it. But I go from something like that, you know, mm-hmm. which when you roll in a business community, typically there are more people that have money. Sure. Well, I think we were also, when we were talking about this when this conversation came up is we end up going to events with people from, you know, our socioeconomic all the way to the top all the to way to the top the ceo of the biggest companies in the city right crazy stuff people so, making multi like 20 million dollars a year yeah who probably you know their donations every year are like what we make for a living <laughs> in a year or something yeah. um so so that's one world we live in that yeah. i straddle mm-hmm. and then on the on the other side of the line is this world of poverty mm-hmm. this world of working with nonprofits who are fighting poverty and interviewing and meeting people and stepping into people's homes and lives to tell stories about how they've overcome um, whatever they've overcome to get where they are 
and how they work to make ends meet because it's all they can do or how they've come out of a life of crime or they've gotten caught up in the system because they had nothing else because the only way they could eat was to steal or the only way that they knew how to live is a way that we were always taught not to. Mm-hmm. And so I see both of them. And a case a case in point here is that mm-hmm. we came out of the 40 under 40 lunch a few weeks ago, just, you know, been amongst 39 other people who were, were celebrated for their work in the city, especially their philanthropic work. And I get in the car and I barely get my seatbelt on and my phone rings. And it's one of the nonprofits that I work with asking if I knew anybody who could help with a situation that involved the criminal justice system. So I called up one of my other nonprofit partners and asked for some legal guidance on how to combat this because it, it also involved a child. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I go from this world of, you know, celebrating business and success and, and, you know, the business side right back smack to reality of what people face every day in our city and in our country and in our world. And I straddle these two places. I stand mm-hmm. in this line of like prosperity and poverty. Yeah. Um, and it's a really unique place to be. But I literally said to one of our employees the other day, sometimes I wish I could unexperience the things I've experienced because it makes it really hard to be excited about the things that we should be excited about because I know that other people don't have it. Mm -hmm. So that's a really long answer for 2019. Lauren yeah. versus 2009 Lauren. Yeah. Well, but it's true. It's it's really been eaten at me lately. And I realize there's just a big difference that happened over 10 years in how I see the world. Yeah. Well, and I think this is, you know, an ongoing conversation we've, Lauren and I have been having about being this close to both sides of that. Um, you especially being, you know, out on the shoots and talking to people and talking to nonprofits and what they're seeing. And then I'm with you on a lot of the events and stuff. But um, yeah, it really makes for an interesting perspective that I think we are... Um, just fairly recently paying more attention to and trying to see how we can operate in that world in the most effective way. And really the truth is all of us can do our own work to make, make uh, progress in that area. Mm -hmm. It's just being aware. That's the first step, being aware of how different things are for people and how hard work looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. What's hard work for us might be easy for one other person or what's really hard work for us might be impossible for another person. Yeah. Um, it's just about leveling with the playing field <laughs> and, and realizing that, that that it's not equal. So mm-hmm. that's, I mean, not to be a Debbie Downer, but that my, my view of everything has changed. And, it, uh, and it's changed, I think, because our parents' generation didn't have much they lost a lot like or they fought for it or they both of our dads are first generation college students mm-hmm. and they had very little so they worked yeah. so hard to provide us to have everything we needed slash wanted i mean we i got told no but yeah for the most part every major thing i ever really wanted growing up i had mission accomplished dad thanks parents grateful seriously my dad's probably listening so, so grateful so yeah. is my dad <laughs> so grateful for that but i think that it's interesting because our generation is sort of We've recognized how hard our parents worked because they came from very little. Mm -hmm. And now we're like, wait a second, how can we, because there's still plenty of people who don't have much. How can we Mm -hmm. help fix some of those or at least, you know, move the needle a bit? Yeah. So there you go. The decade challenge in a deep, long discussion. (laughs) Yeah. Old stuff, technology and Lauren and Scott stuff. Mm -hmm. Interesting decade. What's really exciting is that we still have three weeks left in the decade. And then Mm -hmm. next year we start a whole new decade. Yep. 2020, what are you going to bring us? Yeah, who knows? It's a perfect segue. Next week, we're going to talk about 2020 goals. Mm -hmm. 
and how you and I do that. Yep. And how we'll maybe review how we're doing. Yep. Speaking of which, if you're still listening, I'm running a half marathon on Saturday. And I said I was going to reach a goal of 245. I have modified my goal because that's what you do when you're realistic about your goals. Mm -hmm. And I'm shooting for under three hours. Yep. Whew. Makes me hurt thinking about it. But next week, we'll be talking about our 2020 goals and what we're going to do now to start reaching those goals. All right. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening. It's been a long podcast this week. We're looking forward to catching up with you next week. As always, send us feedback to feedback at readyornotpodcast.com and let us know what you want to hear if we do a season next year. All right. We'll see you next time here on Ready or Not. This podcast was recorded in our closet studio in Midtown Memphis, Tennessee, edited by me, Lauren Reedy, graphic designed by Brody Kuhar, and hosted by the OAM Network. Have you noticed how small businesses and nonprofits are posting videos on social media these days? Every day, thousands of them are sharing video content. But did you know you don't have to spend a fortune to invest in video for your brand? Forever Ready Productions is here to help you out. We make your work stand out while telling your story, but most importantly, getting it done in time to have an impact. The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast.